You're listening to Megiddo Radio. Megiddo Radio is a radio ministry of Megiddo Media. For more, visit our website at megiddoradio.com. That's megiddoradio.com. Good evening. Welcome, everybody. This is Paul Flynn with Megiddo Radio for Wednesday, the 8th of April, 2020. Thank you all for tuning in on tonight's program. We're going to be looking at, sadly, a topic really not something I really want to talk about. There's a couple of other topics by way of, um, well, I'll be honest, even the other topic I was going to do, I don't really look forward to, but I think there's been so much about the COVID-19 coronavirus thing that, um, you know, I, I talked to some people and they have some fatigue talking about it. So there will be as much as possible during this time, returning back to normal programming and looking at different things. Uh, pray that the live stream work is working. It seems to be, thank you so much for letting me know about that. And, um, yeah, there'll be more normal programming, normal, quote-unquote, from this point onwards. But um, I think when things are going on, I, I think it's important to cover them and deal with it and possibly things that are affecting the church at large because, let's face it, a lot of us are stuck in our home. And some of us are dealing with it better than others. And uh, the sad thing is, because we've been so starved for interaction, a lot of us end up going on social media. A lot of us end up going on things that really aren't that good for us. And I'm really, really contemplating even tonight getting rid of my Twitter, because Twitter just seems to be as bad as Facebook can be at times. Twitter seems to be... A million times worse and it seems to be a lot more constructive on Facebook and uh, never seem to have gotten that level of constructive feedback anyway just yeah um, we live in a time a lot of people are pushed to the max and, uh, with stress a lot of people could be losing their, their businesses what I, we don't know the future but I will say this life will be different the world will be different. I think we've got to just accept that and just deal with the way things are, not the way we would like them to be. I know we, lots of us, especially in the West, like the way our lives were. We liked our jobs. We liked our routine, often. I'm, I'm sure there's some people who didn't. But things are going to change. In what exact manner, I do not know. Human history and I've always had this conversation with people that going back years now, that we always think that things are just going to get better and better and better. We might have the odd blip here and there, but things will be getting better and better. But if you look across hundreds, if not thousands of years of human history, that's not what happens. Empires rise and fall. Go back to the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire. And then the world was plunged 
into pretty much intellectual, especially spiritual darkness for the guts of a thousand years with the fall of the Roman Empire. However Christian you may think it was or wasn't, or that that's kind of a, a mute point. But what I'm saying is what happened across Europe until the dawn of the Reformation. We always think it's just going to go up, up, up. And we, and we kind of look back in those older civilizations and think that they hadn't a clue. When there were, during the first century, there was a lot of advances in medicine, things like this. And then there was an embracing in the medieval time of, of utter superstition. Bizarre views that people today, would, or maybe at least 10 years ago, would be scratching their heads. Where did they come up with this kind of thing? And I think it's it's a symptom of a culture that has n very little foundation, that is unsettled. And as we're going to look later in our, we're going to do a critique of, for want of a better term, two popular YouTubers who are well-known We'll look at it later. Um, but I want to point out the, the dangers of conspiracy theories with regards to COVID-19, or anything else for that matter, the dangers of it. Um, having come out of that movement, I'm not saying they have no knowledge of it. Look, I got saved in 2009. Was it 2010? The movie, which I've now, pan you know, like a, I don't recommend it to anybody anymore. Um, there were decent elements in it, okay? I'm not saying everything was bad in it, but um, that movie was released in 2010. And I remember when I did it, I was washing my hands of, I just wanted to move on from this stuff and say, you know what? I'm not focusing on this stuff anymore, but here's a gospel tract to all the guys who do this type of research. That's what it was. So I could move on, and I pretty much did immediately. And the research changed into focus on the charismatic movement, and that became the next movie. It wasn't complete in the charismatic movement, but largely, and it's still available online, uh, of Chaos and Confusion in Modern Church. You can view it for free, not promoting or anything like that. If you want to go watch it, you can go watch it. Power Behold the New Order is got bad, some bad stuff in it. I can't remember because the last time I watched it, rewatched it, I critiqued it 2015, I think it was, when I deleted it. And, um, so there you go. Um, and that was the atmosphere in which I got saved in what's going on in the world. Though, like many of you are possibly even listening to this now, freaked out by what's happening. And this was happening about uh, 2008, 2009. And there were a number of things that, were causing me concern. A lot of these people were into conspiracy theories, and there's elements of truth in there, of course. But I'm just saying where you can take it, where it can be practical, where it can be incredibly dangerous as well, and divisive, etc., and so on. Now, let's go on to, before we get too far into the show, and we'll look at our critique later, and I'll, I'll explain why I picked this video later on to go into. Both men are professing Christians, um, 
and it's symptomatic. I'm not specifically picking on the people who I'm critiquing. I'm not particularly pointing them out as being the worst or anything else like that. They're purely symptomatic of what's kind of all around. Okay, so we're going to do our devotion or devotional in Psalm 6 today. I suppose this is episode lockdown, episode number six. That's how we'll keep track of that, I suppose. And we're just going to read through this, make a few comments on it. And again, like the last few programs, encouraging you to get a Psalter, to sing through the Psalms, that you may be encouraged. And I think I am, no, I don't think, I know for a fact that it's one of the reasons why Christians struggle badly today we don't sing through the psalter i'm not saying it's going to be like a magic pill or anything like that but i'm just saying that the word of god sung it's what we're meant to do it's what we're meant to do before god psalm 6 now again you're going to need a metrical version of the psalms to sing you can't sing the prose version in the translation that you have in front of you but psalm 6 the word of god reads as follows and we're going to pray a little bit before we read it Almighty and ever-living God, Father, we pray that you would open our eyes, that we would see wonderful things from your word, and Lord, that you would guide us and comfort us at this time. We pray for those who are going through anxiety and worry, and we pray that you would calm their hearts. Forgive us, Lord, for our many sins, how we have failed you even this very day. Guide us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 6. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. Have mercy, on me, have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver me. O save me for your mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of you in the grave, who will give you thanks. I am weary with my groaning. I, all night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with my tears. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows old because of all my enemies. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. For the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. And when you're going through times of trouble, when the Lord is, as we were talking about providence in the last program, the lion is roaring and there is a general sense with all calamity, calamities, God is the author and he is in control of all things. In the midst of bad things happening, we should examine ourselves to see if in the midst of that it is something we ought to repent of. Perhaps it is chastening, perhaps it's not. There are times, again, there are times in Scripture, calamities coming upon us can be the chastening of the Lord, can be the judgment of the Lord, chastening for a believer, judgment upon an unbeliever. It can also not necessarily be that, as we see in the case of Job. 
All things work together to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. But the psalmist here writes, this is a psalm of David, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. He's saying, do not chasten me, have mercy upon me, heal me. And in the midst of sickness and disease and worry, the greatest healing we need the ultimate healing that we need is from the Lord. There will come a, a kingdom where there will be no sickness, where we will be fully healed in the fullest sense. My soul is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver me, or save me for your mercy's sake. And this pleading here. And at the end of this, and I would read verses 6 and 7 because this is very important as well. We're going to have times when we're full of sorrow. And many of you listening, either live right now or after the program goes on Sermon Audio or on thegetaradio.com or you're listening back over to this on YouTube days after it's gone out, will face great hardship because of what is coming upon us. We need to be in prayer. And when we're weary, I am weary with my groaning. All night I will make my bed swim. I drench my couch with my tears. There is a reality of the Christian life that is in the Psalms that is purely not in the, in the hymns of men. Generally speaking, and I say generally speaking, probably the odd exception here and there, I am no great expert on the hymns that have been written over the centuries. But they tend to focus on the positive. They tend to focus on the experience. Well, probably one of the best hymns in terms of theology or something like Amazing Grace or something like that. I'm not advocating hymns, by the way, in worship. We are to sing the Psalms only in worship. And if you want more on that, I can recommend a book to you, actually, I've just got one in front of me there that's staring at me on the bookshelf, Songs of the Spirit. Kenneth Stewart is the editor, and you can buy that book relatively inexpensively, and it's many different articles written by different men on that. So that's Songs of the Spirit by Kenneth Stewart. Again, it's pretty reasonably inexpensive. I think you can get it from Reformation Scotland, actually. Um... So in the midst of our tears, my eye wastes away because of grief. It grows old because of my enemies. There'll be times of grief. And there's a great enemy in death. Death is not natural. And our Lord wept. We're not machines. We're not robots. We should also grieve. But at the same time, we're not downcast. We have joy and peace in Christ. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let me, all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. This is verses 9 and 10. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. Pray that it will be a blessing to you. And again, encourage you. I'm going to say it again and again. And I might even keep saying it again again. Sing the Psalms. Sing the Psalms. By yourself. In your family. You say, oh, I'm not completely convinced that the Bible says sing the Psalms. 
whether you bring them in or whatever, sing the Psalms. Let them guide you at this dark time. And if you, it, the Psalms over and over again set before you the promises of God in which none of us could ever write. Even apart from the exclusive psalmody arguments, the typical ones, which is better, the words of God or the words of men? Of course, yes, this was penned by David, but this is under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. This, these are the words of the living God versus singing the psalms of men. And when we think of Christologically going through the psalms, who received the chastening of the Lord? Who re received the punishment of the Lord for our sins? Christ. And who wept? And who grieved? And who went through extreme agony? Christ. Again, Christ all the way throughout the psalms. We sing them about Christ, to Christ. There's simply nothing else like them. I would encourage you to get a good commentary, something like, I'm only just beginning to go through um, Spurgeon's Treasuries of David and what I see so far, lots of quotes and Puritans and things like that. Anyway, let's get on to our topic because otherwise I really want to keep tonight's program to an hour because we're starting much later than I wanted to. If you've got any questions on the topic I'm doing, just you know, send it through the live stream chat. If you've got any programs or critiques you'd like me to do, Films at M-E-G-I-D-D-O films at gmail.com, and I will do my best. I try to stick to certain topics. That way I actually know what I'm talking about, hopefully, <laughs> Lord willing. And um, again, okay, so there's been lots and lots of controversy, and I don't want to get necessarily into too much, but I suppose it's unavoidable the controversy over closing churches. Can we, whatever side you're on, because we should aim for unity and peace, whatever side you're on, can we just acknowledge anyone who has closed the buildings, or even hasn't, has agonized over this decision? One of the hardest decisions to ever make, and if it's an easy decision to make, there's something wrong with us. There's something wrong with our walk. So this decision to close many of the churches has been incredibly difficult, and we're in, to an extent, almost uncharted territory in church history, because I think if you went back, possibly, and it had to be something really, really severe, you know, go back a couple of hundred years, plagues and pestilence and things like that is probably the only thing to compare it to. Often they wouldn't know what it was until many people had died, and even then they just maybe keep away from each other, but they can't put exactly put their finger on it. But now we know it is a virus that is causing it, that it is um, acting like an influenza virus, that it is infecting many, many people. It's highly contagious. It's got a an or not kind of a... Um, that's kind of how many people it normally infects of about, I think it's, I heard the figure of, was it 2.4, something over two anyway. We'll say two for argument's sake. So on average, one person will infect two more people and they will infect two more people. And so you get this doubling effect 
over time. And this is why we got the social distancing. So we know more about this than we would have if this had happened at a hundred years ago. So there's a certain sense of, and you know what I mean? A lot of us aren't scientists. Okay. A lot of us are, you know, foisted upon, what do we do? What do we do in this situation? So we should be gracious to each other and understanding towards each other. And we shouldn't be making assumptions that other people are, they don't care or whatever else it is. Maybe if we just leave people alone sometimes, one of the reasons I'm come to the conclusion, we get rid of Twitter or whatever, that people largely will come to the same conclusion as time goes on. You Sometimes people just need time and space to think about things um, in the same way we all were. This is traumatic, especially spirit thought for those doctors and nurses who are going to be going through this. This is going to be like going through war. They're going to have like PTSD, you know, like post-traumatic stress disorder. They're going to go through absolute nightmares. And it, just like any soldier coming back from war, some people deal with it better than others. Some people are not affected. Some people are and need a lot of help through it. Don't forget them. While it's, we don't like this isolation, this living in, none of us want this, none of us should want this, but I think we, we have to just make the most of it. We can't be checking, well, when's the lockdown going to end? When's the lockdown going to end? There's a certain sense in which we do need to just make the most of it, as Paul did when in his imprisonment, or whatever our circumstances may be. God is not limited by our circumstances. Look at how much Paul did when he was in prison, the, the letters, the epistles he wrote. Perhaps there's a the Lord and his providence is going to do that with you and use this time, whether you're a mother with your children to use that, that you get closer to your children or husbands and wives get closer to each other or whatever the case may be. I know I've heard all this thing about, well, marriages are going to break up left, right and center. Maybe a few will. I don't know. It's Maybe some won't. Maybe some marriages will get mended because people will spend time with each other. So, Perhaps let's stop chomping at the bit for when we're going to get out the door and just say we're here for the long run and see because we're barely at the upswing of the curve in the United States, in the UK, it's really only just starting, which is scary because there was a, a number of only 900, uh, over 900 deaths today and it's barely really begun. Because the, really, the lockdown is very loose. A bit like in Italy in the early days. That's kind of why it took a long time for the kick in. Um, and I know the lockdown cannot go on forever. There's economic concerns and I completely understand that. You know, there's a sense in which we we don't want... And this whatever parts of the economy can, can go on, should go on. And that's they're always difficult decisions to make. But where it gets unnecessarily ugly and, shall I say, unhelpful, 
and divisive and it's is when it gets into conspiracy theory territory when there's there's an element of which I highly sympathize with it for example trust in the mainstream media is an all-time low and deservedly so but unfortunately we've become such reactionaries that there's no kind of thought process behind it there's such low trust in the media that we're kind of going to, to the opposite and we've become whether it's the united states uk whatever in, in ireland whatever there's such polar opposites and because you know you've got certain certain media that would be classified as leftist say the guardian in the uk and they publish an article they're leftist so therefore it must be wrong and and somebody a, a newspaper that might be seen more on the right maybe something like the daily telegraph or something like that or if you have fox news in the united states or whatever else it is well then everybody on the other side will reject it because we have certain biases and we kind of dug into those and that distrust for the media has extrapolated and I think it's largely to do with we're, we're afraid and there's nothing wrong with that it's what we do with that whether to quote one man he says you know whether it's going to scare us out of our wits or scare us I think it was into our wits I can't remember the exact uh, quote in my estimation as a former I have a degree in biomedical science for what it's worth Dr. Michael Osterholm, if you want to look into the more scientific realm, but focus on the Word of God in these days. What an opportunity it is to, to pour into the Word of God. I'm not saying that there's other, of course, there's other responsibilities we have. Absolutely. But what an opportunity to spend hours in the Word of God. What an opportunity to, I don't know, suggestion for some of you guys out there bible mesh get a greek or a hebrew i've already just started going through a hebrew course right now um having a bit of trouble with the keyboard <laughs> to type in hebrew if anybody can help me with that i would really really be grateful but um there's a suggestion take up i know money might be difficult so maybe there's things you can do there's things we can do, develop a new skill or something like that. They'll help you to understand the word of God. And that might be one of the biblical languages or something like that. Anyway, so without further ado, we're going to get on to um, looking at this video. And again, I'm not trying to gang up on this guy and say that he's the worst or anything like that. Press for Truth is the organization. Yeah, heavily towards the conspiratorial end. Uh, I, I just realized that he is a professing Christian. Did not know that for a long time. Watched his movies many years ago. There was, just so you know, I'm not making this up. There was a movie on, you know, they wanted the North American Union and all this kind of stuff. And again, I think there's elements of truth in what is being said in certain things, but there's certain extrapolations beyond what we know. Beyond what we know. And I want to kind of flesh that out. And I want to be careful about this because it is such a wide movement. 
And especially when it comes to Christians who are into conspiracy theories, a lot of them, sadly, will unite around conspiracy theories. We'll start playing, we'll start critiquing, and um, this is Dan Dix, is the guy's name, who hosts this channel, and um, he is interviewing the Vigilant Mario, Mario, he did the Vigilant Christian, like, YouTube channels, I'll get into him in a second. Again, I'm picking him because he's kind of fairly symptomatic. Oh, sorry, didn't mean to do that. Fairly symptomatic of most of the internet. Again, not picking on anybody, just... Here we go. Press for Truth, and we've got a very important show for you today, my friends. We're going to be talking about the emotional and spiritual effects that cancelling church can have on a society, especially a society that's founded on Christian principles. And joining us on the line to help us understand the, the ramifications of this is our friend Mario Bryson. He used to go by... Now, again, just to, there is psychological effects of what's going on. We shouldn't deny this, and there's suffering that people go through. And by me critiquing this does not mean I do not sympathize with people who will find it harder than others in isolation. It's one of the reasons doing extra programs. Vigilant Christian on YouTube, you may remember that. Well, now he has a channel called Vigilant Mario. Links will be located in the description below. Mario, man, thank you so much for joining us here today. I got to say, it's really great to see you back on YouTube, especially now in such trying and uncertain times where usually in times of difficulty, people often go to the church. They look to godly men who they can fellowship with and be prayed over by and, and, and learn from God through these men, but they're not able to do that right now. So I want to talk about the spiritual effects that this is going to have on society. But before we get into that, maybe we could talk a little bit about the, the, the physical and emotional effects of isolation. You recently put out a video called Isolation and Trauma-Based Mind Control that made a lot of very important points. Um, be incredibly worried whenever you hear about this kind of stuff. And I've, you know, people talk about mind control and um, manipulation and all this kind of stuff. This is fairly classic conspiracy theory talk. Um, there are certain techniques. Yeah, there are certain techniques that people do, you know, in speech and even in hypnosis and all this kind of stuff. Um, but just be very, very careful that the kind of conspiracy theory is this, that there's a kind of a, a cabal known as the New World Order, and I'll get into that term in a second, that is manipulating people. Reality is we have a pandemic. We have lots of people getting sick. And we have governments around the world panicking, reacting, downplaying this. They down Trump downplayed this. Boris Johnson downplays it. I'm not getting on the case, by the way. I'm not. Not the easiest situation to deal with, okay? Um, there was times that Trump should have not talked about it and just say, we, we're dealing with it as best we can or whatever else it is. Um, and should still refrain from giving medical advice and things like that. But that's the reality. Trauma-based, 
there's no indication with this present crisis that anybody, all the indicators are, especially United States and Great Britain, they don't want to do a lockdown. They don't want to do a lockdown. They want to get voted back in the next time around, okay? They want to get voted back in the next time around. Boris Johnson hasn't been the PM in number 10 very long, and he's in a very weak position. So I think he's probably nervous to do anything like that. Trump's got a stronger hand because he's been longer the president. That's just my take on it. Um, so I was wondering if we could start from there. Um, tell us a, a little bit about what you think isolation, first of all, is going to do uh, on society physically and emotionally, and then we can talk about the spiritual aspect. Awesome. So the reason I researched this video is because I, from this whole isolation, you know, I'm in Canada as well, I'm in Ottawa, and um, there's all these social distancing measures being imposed and uh, everything's closed, like a lot of countries in the world right now. And I started to feel strange and just a little bit off. So uh, I was praying and I said, you know what, God, what, what's going on? What's causing me to feel this way? And it just came to mind um, the way that isolation is, in fact, used by abusers in their trauma-based control. And so I started to do some research, and I'll read from you uh, some things that I... And you may find, you may find cases, I've never done the research, but I'm just going to give benefit of the doubt, right? And uh, Jonah, I completely agree with you. I, uh, I'll get into the, the, yeah, I don't know the full ins and outs of... Mario, he's had a troubled past, but we'll get into this in the later. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm fairly aware of that. Um, but the whole thing about just say there are cults, right, who do manipulate people. There are all this kind of stuff, and they'll do various things to keep people under control and all this. But the problem is then when the people either they've had an abusive background themselves, and they. Uh, it's sad when that happens, obviously, but then they start taking that and then they start seeing abusive relationships everywhere. I think sometimes that's probably why some women who have had really, really tragic, sad backgrounds, some of them end up being feminists and all this kind of thing. Um, perhaps. I've never looked through the statistics, but that might be one of the reasons why that happens. There's nothing to indicate there was a massive reluctance. There's a massive reluctance in Sweden right now, and I think they're going to have massive problems up there, but that's just my, uh, my take in the data. Germany, there was a reluctance. Countries didn't want to do this. Largely, actually, if you go back in the media, for most of the media, we're kind of downplaying this right up until, oh, I don't know, start of March. Some places were making a bigger issue than this. Here's the thing about the whole COVID-19 thing. It's caught everybody in the hop. Very few people called it. I can only think of one organization that called the global pandemic. This is back in January. Uh, Michael Osterholm, this is why I keep up with his material. Uh, SIDRAP, the Center of Infectious Disease, and I can't remember what the rest of it stands for. Uh, the base of Minnesota. I don't necessarily agree with all he says of implementing, do this, do that. Okay, we're, we're not always going to agree with each other but he's been spot on on these recommendations and on things like that. So if you want to keep up with that, 
he actually has a podcast that you can listen to throughout this whole thing. But there's no indication, none, that any Western government, any Western government, when you when you think back and a politician, these elected politicians, they just want to stay in power. Most of them. And yes, every now and again, someone like, oh, what's the guy? Gordon Brown or something like that says we need global, global governance or something like that. Yeah, some of them philosophically will want that and they'll think that this will solve crises and all this kind of thing. Okay? And maybe in the background, a few of them get together and try to organize it that way. That's just the way things are in secret. That's just the way power is. But to have, you see, but it goes, the whole New World Order conspiracy theories kind of go way further than that. Everything that happens in society is, you know, COVID, I'm not saying that these guys are saying this, but COVID-19 becomes this, it comes from a bioweapon, apparently in China or something like that. Now, maybe it's true. I don't know. And there's no evidence to suggest it. None of the credible scientists have, have really, really taken that seriously. You see, that's the difference between theory and evidence. I could theorize all sorts of things, but it's not helpful. We need to kind of go with the evidence and stick with the evidence and go no further than the evidence. For I'll give you an example. Data, I, do, I personally have a problem accepting on face value. China. Because China have a, a history of lying and being duplicitous. The Communist Party now. I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about the Communist Party. So I don't trust their data. I think it's probably 10 times higher than they're saying. Okay. But when you're when you're going scientifically and you're looking through the data and you're trying to find anything you can from the data, you have to just accept the data as it is. Not whinge about it. Not complain about it. You just kind of have to take it as it is unless you can find other data. So you kind of, do you know what I mean? You kind of accept it, but also be highly skeptical about it. Hope that makes sense. Anyway, if you have any questions, you can fire away in the chat room and uh, Jonah in the chat room completely agree with you from what I can see. I'm reading really quickly. <laughs> so um, anyway, we'll get back. And I find it to be so perfectly fitting for what we're going through right now. So isolation, whether it's physical, social, or emotional, is often used to facilitate control over someone from an abusive person. And you can see examples of this, whether it's in domestic abuse, child abuse, or even cults, uh, satanic ritual abuse. Oftentimes, uh, they will take the victim and completely isolate them, lock them in a basement. And so, again, um, you have to assume that the Western governments wanted to do this. And it, it really just doesn't make any Can I just point out this? It doesn't make any sense. Planes are on the ground. Oh, we're all going to have one government. Planes are on the ground and likely to be on the ground for quite some time. What infrastructure is going to bring us all together? If you look at what's happening, here's, here is reality. The world is kind of in a Tower of Babel kind of situation, split apart, not brought together. 
global governance, if anybody wants to, this is a disaster for them. Okay? You want to, let's just say one thing, right? You want to get rid of borders. Borders are up in force. There's even been, I saw a tweet tonight from somebody, um, there's a border check in between the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. Set up by the Republic of Ireland. That is, that's not something that generally happens. So borders are now a thing. You may even see a situation, I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but you may even see a situation, you know, between the United States, the different states in the United States to, to stop the spread of this. I'm not saying it's going to happen in the near future, but it might happen in six months or something like that. Again, it's kind of just speculation. But what I will say this, if this is, you know, this is being used, oh, it's a disaster for them. If this thing really exists. This is what a one thing I find so bizarre about these theories. Like, again, I came out of this stuff. I used to listen to, I'll just give you a bit of my background. I used to listen to David Icke. I used to listen to Alex Jones. I started, stopped listening to David Icke a few months after I got saved. And I was like, man, he's into some weird stuff. Oh, he believes lizards control the world. And this is one of the reasons I'm doing this program today, because I've seen Christians sharing around David Icke. David Icke went down to, I think it was Peru, had some kind of a weird experience. You can look it up the YouTube, and then came back and told everybody he was the son of God. And everybody was laughing at him. I think he kind of moved away from that and believed that the lizards control the world and all this kind of stuff. They're shapeshifters. Yeah, first two books he put out. Um, and people are sharing that around. I'm talking Christians now. And that it's this theory and that theory, and it's 5G, and it's... There have been plagues, viruses, all sorts of horrible things that have gone back for thousands of years. The Spanish flu in 1918 wasn't created in a biolab. It came, well, we don't even know where it came out of. I think people don't even know. It, it was called the Spanish flu because I think Spain was neutral at the time and they were able to count the dead, really, and they weren't even sure for a while why people were dying. And there were, there's every couple of decades, there's been some kind of a pandemic, not global to the extent to which it is now. So this stuff is normal to history. It's horrible to go through. It's not, and to be honest, it's unusual and on the grand scale. You know, in history, you would have had the worst thing you can think of, you know, going, going back hundreds of years, the Black Death or something like that. But that was fairly much focused in upon one area. If something like that ever came around today, there was a whole, oh, the elite have got a bioweapon. You see, there's no evidence to support this. And because here's the thing, right? Researchers are scrambling to get data together. And something weird is happening in the scientific community at the moment. They're not really putting out papers because they're just so busy. You know, normally somebody write a peer-reviewed journal of some description and then it gets put out and there would be a bit of time. Medicine, science, it takes a very long time. But now it's just like, 
because we're in the midst of an emergency, they don't know everything. So the conspiracy theorists would go, aha, I see a gap in knowledge. You see, you can't explain this. You don't have all the answers. Therefore, I will fill it in with my theory. And it's, it's unsettling. Let's just face it. Let's just face facts. It's unsettling not knowing what the future will hold. None of us like it. But we've got to deal with reality. Not, see, the problem is, if you just kind of go, oh, it's this, what happens when it becomes clear that it's not weeks down the line? Somebody might say, well, I don't know anything about this, but I'm just sharing around. It's interesting. If you're a minister of the gospel, especially, and a Christian, whatever else, it's going to damage your credibility. It's going to damage your testimony before the lost and dying world. So for that reason, and that reason alone, do not share this junk. Now, Dan Dix has, has gotten Mario, I can't remember his second name, um, he ran for years, a myriad of different channels, Vigilant Christian, things like that. And he's had, I have not, I haven't seen one of his videos in years. He used to, if anything in pop culture happened, some person would put out some overtly satanic or whatever. It was a bit like Joe Schimmel. I'm not a big fan of that stuff. If you have to put a warning, and I'm talking about Joe Schimmel now. If you have to put a warning at the front of your video that this is explicit and children shouldn't be watching, neither should you, person who's making the video. So we don't need, I don't need to look through Lady Gaga videos to know that they're sinful and wrong. Just in a positive sense, tell people from the word of God, let's not look upon naked women, okay? It's not extremely complicated. I'm not trying to be facetious here, but... A lot of his videos years ago would be fixated on pop culture, the latest thing, some lyrics in, I don't know, some rapper, you know, was very pro-Lucifer. I don't mean to be whatever, but if you go into the middle of a brothel and you find people who are sinners, don't be shocked. I don't need to do what some televangelist did was ring up death metalers and Ooh, we're going to expose them. We know that death metalers are into, some of them, overtly and all this kind of stuff, are into Satanism and all that. Okay. Share the gospel with them. I'm sorry, I'm going to, this is, but this program is a bit of a rant because I suppose, so I suppose it's something close to my heart because, I'll, look, the, and this movement is made up of a lot of sincere people. But there's also, and I don't, it's very hard to tell who's who. But also, I'm convinced there's a lot of charlatans who are ready with their latest book, with their latest crazy theory, to use people, vulnerable people. So that makes me that makes me mad. Okay, that makes me mad when you see vulnerable people being used and manipulated, and their worry and their concern has been used to well make money. I'm not saying. That's what Dan Dix is doing here. Just to clarify at all, I think he's sincere. Mario has a troubled past. Nobody should be listening to him. No one. I'm going to be very, very blunt about this. It seemed there's, he's got a number of videos. One where he was, 
it's an astonishing time that this even has to be pointed out, but he was kicked, what was it? He had to go to rehab. He's had drug problems, I think. I, I don't know the full details, and I don't really need to know the full details, but he's had troubles of a very serious nature. And he had to go to rehab, got kicked out of rehab, he had steroids on him or something like that. And he's, look, this isn't hearsay. He's admitted to all this. I've gone through his one or two of his videos on this. Um, he's un unstable. He needs to not be doing this. We've got to distinguish. Having a YouTube channel is not the same as being a minister or anything like that. But no one should be giving him money. And he has no business being around anybody. Whether I would call him a fraud or anything like that, I wouldn't go that far. He just, he, he has a troubled past and um, he really shouldn't be doing this. He needs to, maybe has already submitted to some form of church discipline or whatever the case may be. I hope that that took place in the church he was in or a member of and he should not return. If you, if you really wants to reach souls, under the guidance of his church, give out tracts, some kind of a organized evangelism, knock on doors, give around. Not something like this. Not something with this wider reach. Um, and I question Dan Dix, who says he, he's a professing Christian, does go to a church, don't know how good it is or whatever else, get somebody like him on. It just seems to be the focus is always, hey, conspiracy theory, ah, and look, I, when I was first a Christian and I put out my first movie, two of the first interviews I had on podcasts were in relation to this. And the only reason I got on those programs was because I was into that stuff. I was walking, I was getting away from that stuff. I didn't really want to talk about that stuff. Um, years ago, even before, was I a Christian back then? Yeah, I was just a Christian a few months. I was on the, the Cobra Report. Was it the Cobra Report? Is that what, James Corbett? Long, long time ago, back in 2009, I think it was. So I came out of this world. I wasn't in it for very long. So I understand concerns, and I also understand the... Anyway, let's, let's play and um, we'll continue. This is, a, is something that we see that's very common in an abuser trying to exert a type of control over people. And I think with what's happening in the current affairs with uh, this forced isolation, and you see even people now becoming willing to isolate themselves, we need to really think about the ramifications of, like you said, what this is going to do to us emotionally, mentally, and spiritually as well. Humans, I believe, that are uh, created in the image of God are created as beings that need communion. We need fellowship. I don't disagree with that, but in... What was Paul supposed to do when he got arrested? What did he do? He submitted to it. And he wrote, I'm sure he met, well, yeah, it was, he was allowed fellowship and things like that. But it wasn't obviously the same for that period of time he was in prison when he wrote um, a number of the epistles in his first imprisonment in Rome. We're going to go through hard things as Christians. How about, just, just give one example throughout history. What about the Christians who were tortured for the gospel? 
What did that do for them? If you want to think psychologically, what did that do for them? What did imprisonment of John Bunyan do? Ooh, what did he write? John Bunyan wrote. Didn't he write Pilgrim's Progress while he was in prison? This kind of stuff is going to make people extremely ticked off, angry, distrustful, and rebellious against legitimate authority that comes from God. We're told this in the first few verses of Romans 13. The authority is derived from God. And you want to say, well, this government is not very godly enough. The directives to not meet in groups has got nothing to do with Christian persecution. This is for everybody. Everybody. Nothing to do with persecution whatsoever. So it's to do for our good. Romans chapter 13, verse 4. So we ought to obey it. I would, I miss church. I want to go back there tomorrow. Boy, we're never going to, hopefully we'll never take gathering in church for granted again. But if you're thinking like this, you're going to be resentful. You're going to speak ignorant. You're going to speak evil of authorities. And when Paul was writing in Romans about submitting to government, submitting to authority, were the Caesars, you know, great authorities? And you had, Ro you had Jews among them. And how, what did the Jews think of the Romans at the time? They saw them as usurpers. They thought Jesus, initially, one of the reasons Jesus had to teach so extensively on the suffering servant part that because that's what they neglected they thought he was the messiah was going to come well it, this was this is going to happen in the future of course but going to come as this mighty dominating king who is going to kick the romans out and all you know the zealots and everybody else they're they can't wait tell us when we can start the revolution and rioting and all that this is why he jesus so many times at the beginning of his ministry said tell no one because he was teaching and telling them that he had to suffer and die. And Peter couldn't accept that. We're going to suffer as Christians. We're going to suffer. Not everything's going to be rosy. We shouldn't share around rumors about the government. Unless we have proof. And I know guys like Dan Dix, they'll go and visit Bilderberg and all this kind of stuff. And I'm, I'll be honest, I'm uncomfortable with some of the, the discussion. We don't know what goes on in Bilderberg. We don't know. And this is why there's so many theories about it. And I, I do think it should be in public and all this. And perhaps they're saying, well, we want this. And we, yeah, people of influence will get together. That, that has happened for thousands of years. There's nothing new under the sun about that. How much actual control do they have? Yeah, well, it seems like every time... I can't remember the guy's name. It was Estian? Or anybody puts out a book about it. Again, I read a lot of this stuff years ago. They fail. They fail miserably. And then it's the conspiracy theorist protesters that say, oh, it's because we shone a light on it. Eh... Stick to what you can prove. 
I'm not a big fan of any secret meetings. I'm not a big fan of Freemasons. I don't think anybody shouldn't be involved in it. But it's not because of what Albert Pike wrote in the 19th century. You know, but their God is Lucifer and all this kind of stuff. That's not the reason. The reason is when you have secret groups, it's because of our sinful hearts, we need accountability. That's it. But, 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 yeah, that, that's superfluous. And yes, I'm not a fan of any secret group. I don't care who it is. I don't care how. As Christians, Christian group, we should be not in secret groups because what it will do is eventually, because of the way we are, we will hide away. It's a reason why, you know, pastor, like, slightly a bit different, but pastors will have their their computer open for all to see. You know, if anybody is not hidden away in some room or anything like that, or whatever the case may be, some people do that for accountability. So, the same kind of principle. Accountability is good for us. Anyway, back to our critique. Uh, the Bible in one of the verse talks about the importance of the fellowship of coming together. And yeah, it's great. You know, we can meet on the internet and a lot of churches and uh, groups now, whether secular groups or whatever, are meeting on the internet. But that doesn't replace the human connection. I mean, if you think of a relationship. Uh, by the way, nobody is making this argument. Nobody thinks that it is a replacement. I'm not aware of in There's a few people, but most pastors notice nobody wants this. So this is kind of a, a mute point. Like we want to meet together but we also don't want to pass on the virus and kill people in the process. Online dating, you know, you can spend a year with someone dating them, but until you physically meet that other individual, there's not that deeper, real human bond that's going to occur. And so what I think we have here is an agenda to begin to control the masses. You know, we have the elite that are using this. Based on what? If anybody starts talking about this, based on what? Based on what data? How do let's go let's go around the thing? Um, oh well, how do you know that Trump want Trump didn't want to do this? It's very very clear from his actions. He didn't want to do this. He didn't want the lockdowns. Talk about a nightmare. And somewhere like the United States is packing heat about behind every blade of grass. You think Donald Trump wanted to do this? Boris Johnson, you think he wanted to do this? Delayed it as much as he could, even though people were begging for it. Um, There are some countries, you'll get some nefarious people who will rise up and and generally the, the, the political left will want more power, want more control. But it's really down to one thing. People want power. Now, could, in, in, and this is a legitimate fear, and this is a legitimate thing to discuss, with the powers that are put in place, what happens after this crisis goes away? Does government tend to give back power? No. And I'll, I'll freely admit, even though I agree with the lockdown, I can't think two steps down the road and say, well, I'm going to go against the lockdown because of what they might do. No. Right now, it is my duty to submit to that because of Romans 13 and other 
text that we could apply to this. Um, the fifth commandment, if you're not familiar with that, larger catechism of the Westminster Standards, I need to submit here, and but the consequences belong to God. Now, pray that the government doesn't use these powers. It's generally, and it, look, it is generally in times of crisis. But at this moment in time, we should be thinking about trying to save as many lives as possible. And that will, and look, things still have, we still have to eat, things still have to go on in certain limited capacity. <clears throat> and you don't want to shut down the economy to the extent to which people will suffer more than from the virus. It's a balance, but you can't just op reopen the economy entirely. There's many statistics. Look, this is not based on any modeling. This is not based on any modeling. But statistically, like, they often quote epidemiologists and others in related fields of public health imagine that 50 to 60% of populations will probably get infected by the time this slows down and goes away or whatever the case may be. So 50, 60% of the population takes somewhere like the United States, what, it's got a population of what, 350 million. We'll, we'll, we'll make it smaller. We'll make it 300 million, just for ease sake. And say 150 million people get infected. This thing has been described as trying to stop the wind, it's that serious. Um, and 1%, now, all sorts of numbers have been, you know, the case fatality rate and all this, is it, is it 10%, is it 5%? Let's low it down. I know there's probably 10 times more cases than we know about. It's probably about 2 to 3%, but just say it's as low as 1%. Of 150 million, what's 1%? 1.5 million. Whatever way you slice it, you're looking at huge numbers. And my argument has been this. When there's that many people dying, you can't save the economy. You can't. It's going to hurt. This hurts everybody. Boris Johnson, our prime minister, is right now in, in, in hospital. How does that work? Bobby so he's got a conspiracy theory for that too maybe maybe Boris Johnson's not doing exactly what he's told and you can make you can make the data fit to any theory I would just urge you not to do so of isolation to disconnect us with one another to break apart our fellowship and it's something that's uh, used by abusers um, isolation I read this as well leads to disorientation and makes the abuse victim dependent on the abuser. And uh, one of the things that I talk a lot about on my YouTube channel is the mark of the beast and the beast system that's rising, oftentimes referred to as the new world order, which we know many globalists are working behind the scenes to bring about. And I find that this... Okay, um, yeah, okay. So there's a lot of presumptions there. Um, just want to point something out. When you're going through a new... The history... The New World Order isn't a thing. It's not a thing. But Paul, you did a movie on a tenure. Yeah, I did. It's not a thing. 
but people quote it. All sorts of major leaders, and they talk about this, and yeah, they use the term. What does the term mean? What does the term mean? What does the term mean 200 years ago? What does the term, what does the term mean now? Consistently, all it means, generally speaking, okay, some people might have a nefarious whatever, but it generally means the old world order is gone and there'll be something new. There'll, there'll be a new arrangement of some kind of description. For example, if, if, if this could happen, European Union is into smithereens because they're going to have the borders up. The Italians are really annoyed, it seems, um, from the lack of help from the European Union. At least that's the impression I'm getting. And um, there was some hashtag thing where all the Italians were burning the European Union flags and saying in Italian, we save ourselves. It seems apparent to some, and this may not happen for quite a long time, that the, the, the European Union and the Euro are going to collapse. Whether that happen, who knows? Who knows? Um, good political commentary commentators will get things wrong all the time. So we don't know what the future may hold, but that may well happen. And this will put massive strain on that. You may have strain within countries. You may have countries that split apart. All sorts of things. How does this help? <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's just absurd. How does this help? You want cohesion. You want international travel. You want people to be able to pass in between borders and all this kind of stuff. You need the police, the military to be on board, to be patriotic toward whatever brand it's on. Yeah, they tried to do it in the European Union and it's been largely failing because the French are French and the Dutch are Dutch and the British are British and they're, they're, they want to fight and die in their own army and they don't feel particularly led by this artificial creation of the European Union. So it's falling apart. But just getting on to this whole thing, it looks from all intents and purposes that a lot of globalism is going to be put in the back burner. People aren't going to trust Chinese supply chains anymore, probably. Oh, but they control everything. <sighs> yeah, you know, and they did try at different times to bring nations together because some people philosophically are internationalists. They think the nation state should go away. That, okay, that does happen in history, by the way. I'm not disputing this. But when the term New World Order is used, it just means that there's a new organization of things. That's all it means. And sometimes for some, it means governments of some sort. Because they philosophically believe that. But you can't just jump, oh, you see, he's part of the Illuminati or something like that. By the way, Again, I used to look, I used to believe in this stuff, all right? But mm, 10 years ago, the Illuminati was a real historical group of Bavaria. They were disbanded in 1786. Ah, oh, but they got to America. What could they have done? It's unrealistic that they could have, you know, there's this, I could go through all the theories, but, you know, that they took over Freemasonry. You know, the, they're highly fanciful without any evidence. There's no evidence. All intents and purposes, you know, the, the, the buzzword, the Illuminati is thrown around the internet and all this kind of stuff. Well, 
they got disbanded, the historical group, in, in 1786. Poof, gone. And then there was a clip about 10 years ago on CSN, CN, oh, it was a CNBC or somebody it was on, and a guy on some financial report said, oh, it's the Illuminati of the country or something like that. And it was, oh, it's the Illuminati. It's like, yeah, you know what he means? The, the elite of society who are influential and control. He's not necessarily talking about, again, that's a, that's not a new buzzword. The long and the short of it is, right? This is a word where meaning has been implanted into it, and it's a highly loose meaning that can mean a lot of different things. And if you go with a, a bias into documents, even official documents, yeah, there's times when governments will want to do things that are, we'll probably look back and look at, oh, that was kind of unethical. And then we can prove it. You know, what was it things like the BBC did a documentary in the 1990s about was it Operation Paperclip and um and then it was basically secret agents across Europe Th that was the BBC I think it was 1994 that that documentary came out and you bring up all sorts of stuff right but the problem is when you take historical things you know, oh they did it then so therefore they're doing it now you have no evidence for that you have no evidence for that. And the danger is, with all of this, let's get it down to practicalities and forgetting about all the, the, the confusing stuff. You have a deep distress, dis, dis, distrust of government. You think that the government is a necessary evil. Something not good, not for the good of society. I'm just going to briefly quote Romans 13. This is not a biblical attitude that we should have. Okay, we should reject this. This is unfortunately, if this is allowed to fester in the church, it's going to create a rebellious attitude. If we're not willing to submit to that authority, we're not going to submit to elders and church government. And these are the kind of people will split factions, will split churches. If you've got a really bad attitude about authority. Romans 13, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. That's why in the Old Testament, they also have the term Elohim. Psalm 82, because their authority, these judges, these magistrates, comes from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. God, I did more on that on a couple of programs ago. We shouldn't be antinomian in the state. And these kind of theories, on a very practical level, we may think they're harmless. They're not. They're not. Sadly, I know from personal experience that they are not. The way that they're going to break us down so that we willingly accept that system because we're going to be so disoriented and just disconnected from one another. Um, I think they just announced that uh, they're forecasting till June, all the measures here in Canada. And I think it's even going to go beyond that um, are going to be in place. Well, let's talk a little bit about what this is doing spiritually, because I mean, when, when people get together and they pray 
with with each other and there's a group of people praying together that that creates a, a certain type of i don't know what you want to call it there's a certain type of energy that 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 creates again we want to christians unless you're being sinful and um you don't like other christians yeah we should meet together i tell you do you know what comes out in videos when everybody starts meeting together people start videos is like the church has been infiltrated. You shouldn't go to church. Your church has been infiltrated. Satan has taken it over. These kind of videos float around. I'm not saying by Dan Dix, but I'm just, this is the kind of stuff you'll, you'll see around people who have excuses when the churches are open and they don't live that far from churches to not go to churches. Some of the emails I've gotten, some of the angriest emails I've ever gotten is basically me saying to people, you must be a member of a church. You must go to church. Now, there's a couple of questions came in there. Uh, somebody asked you about the Covenanters. There was a time, the Covenant, yes, the Covenanters did resist the authority of Charles I. Okay? And they based it not on my rights are being taken away from me. They, they resisted based on the crown rights of Christ being taken away from the church. Alexander Henderson, when he wrote uh, his pamphlet in 1641, he argued based on the Fifth Commandment and that Charles I was being a tyrant because he was going against the law of God and he was disregarding the covenant and he was being a tyrant over the church. Um, it was over Charles I wanted to implement things that King James I brought in. He wanted people to bow before the sacrament. He wanted to to force on them Christmas and Easter. He wanted Episcopalianism. He, he brought in his bishops. So the Covenanters, I completely agree with. There is a time when you can resist the government with arms. And by the way, that was a different time. I'm not saying that that can't, couldn't happen again. But during that time when the Covenanters resisted government, it was not just one lone militia or something like that who was saying, well, I have these rights, etc., and so on. Paul often, the Apostle Paul, frequently set aside his rights for the sake of the church. I think we should think about that. But the covenanters were very much mindful of the crown rights of Christ. And they signed a covenant, the National Covenant in 1638, with not just the church, the nobles, the lower magistrates in Scotland. So when King Charles I was down in London, he was a Scotsman himself, and came against the Scottish church and came against the Scottish nobles, who were generally speaking pro the covenant, that's when armed resistance came in. That's when the, the, the bishops' wars happened back and forth. There wasn't many losses, but it was a defensive war. And the covenanters were very careful to state this. We are not being rebellious. We recognize his authority. But they were defending not their own rights, but the crown rights of Christ. For Christ's crown and covenant. That was the banner, the blue banner they fought under. And I think if you want to look at a good cause of resistance to tyrants is obedience to God. Don't look to Benjamin Franklin. I'm sorry. I respect the United States. I think it's a wonderful country in many, many ways. Look further back. Liberty is the law of God. Tyranny is fighting against that law. Not 
any man-made document, no matter how wonderful it is served, whatever society, it, those documents are always subordinate to the word of God. Good question, though. It's, it, you know, it's, it's the Holy Spirit flowing. And Amen. they're essentially trying to, to silence that. They're tr essentially trying to stop that um, from happening. <clears throat> and so what's that spiritually going to do to people who are sometimes uh, dependent on, on, on their pastors to learn from God through godly men? I mean, there's no indication that there's been any further clampdown on, okay, is there inconsistencies with it? Yes, I know. And there's things that's going to drive us all nuts, like the, the abortion mills are still open. That's horrible. They're inconsistent. I don't expect consistency from godless governments. We should pray against it, but we should also obey when it is biblical. What do you think this is going to do uh, uh, spiritually to people moving forward? Well, one thing that we see in the scriptures is that the church, it, it's not described as a building. Um, it's described as a body of individuals who come together. It's oftentimes called the body of Christ in the, in, in the Bible. And we are all different parts of that body. And the local church is established so that we can have fellowship and union and connection with one another. Um, there's also the pastor, the elders, there's a, a structure and order to the church. And I know for a long time, I had a problem with the local church. I mean, you can always find things that are wrong with your church and we can get very critical and always point out things about it as to why we shouldn't be going there and for many years I thought you know what I can just receive ministering from watching sermons online or uh, you know live streaming churches but the Lord really did show me that there is an absolute and if anybody thinks that they can they're wrong okay nobody should think that and most of the churches that I'm aware of that I know of have shut down because they want to be in accordance with what God has ordained and the rightful role of government. But to the local church, meeting with the men of God there and de developing those relationships. Connection is something that's very, very important to us as human beings. And the local church is where we come together once a week to fellowship, to connect with one another, connect to the spirit of God as well, and also for God to minister to us. If we're all separated, um, I, you know, I think of uh, the analogy that Jesus talks about us being a flock of sheep. If you separate all the sheep and they're all off doing their own thing, that's going to make it easier for the wolves to come and take them out. And I think this is one of the satanic agendas is to isolate us and take us away from that fellowship where we come together on the weekend to be um, exhorted and taught about uh, the spiritual principles. Yeah, but Mario... Can I say this, the, the stuff, if you happen to be listening to this, who knows, if you happen to be listening to this, um, the stuff you have been sharing doesn't lead to good fruit. And he has himself been all over the place. And you don't have to look far. And by the way, those his last trip to rehab or whatever it's been, that is not the first time that something like that has happened. He's been back and forth, back and forth. Um, he kind of, 
he seems to have a bit of a track record like Todd Bentley. Morally. He may be sincere, but he has no business. No business. And I want to be extremely clear with people. Don't give him your money. I know a small bit about him. There is a danger that our Christianity is purely based on, ah, you see that evil thing in the culture. Oh, we see, oh, there's something satanic. I see a symbol in that music video. Should you be watching that video? There's a positive truth you could give people. Don't watch music videos with naked women on them. That may be causing you to stumble. Again, I'm not talking about him per se, but anybody. Anybody for that matter. That's the stuff that gets hundreds of thousands of views. Oh, people eat that stuff up. People love that stuff. And you know what's even worse? If you don't want to look at that stuff, that's why the church is weak. I'm not saying that the, that's what these two men are saying, but I've heard this type of argument a lot. If you're not into conspiracy theory, and the conspiracy theories tend to be popular among certain forms of theology. And again, I'm not saying all people who hold to this, the forms that I'm going to mention now, generally are going to be in, like dispensationalism, futurism with regard to the book of Revelation, future Antichrist, and that this is all in the future seven-year period. Again, not everybody believes this is a conspiracy theorist or anything like that, but it generally tends to be people holding that theology, also a lot of people in the charismatic movement. The, the like I was a dispensationalist for the first couple of years of life in my life, and when you see the book of Revelation, you go, oh, so when's this all gonna happen? <gasps> mm. Um, and then you my views have kind of changed over the years and I'm more historicist be the be the term which would be the more historical Christian view. There's different views that have been around in, in the church. But it's very, very clear that the book of Revelation, it's not sealed up like Daniel's vision for the future. It's very much at that point. And it's in, if you don't understand the book of Revelation properly, it is encouragement to believers going through persecution, which has gone throughout the last 2,000 years. So it, it tends to be that, and it tends to be among the charismatic movement. Actually, to be honest, if you... There's some parts of the charismatic movement that you're almost seen as unspiritual if you're not into this. And I was never in the charismatic movement, but I just noticed just something that I noticed over the years. Anyway, let's continue. Bible and the doctrines and the theologies that can help enrich our lives individually, but we do this collectively. So if the enemy now is able to destroy that, which he has, um, I mean... We can't even get together now and, and do a baptism. If someone decides that they want to get baptized, that's not even possible. Funerals, um, all the religious ceremonies that you find in the church are now not possible to do because now you're, you're, it's illegal. Uh, it's now going to be, you know, a gathering more than five or ten people is um, on its way to being, you know, you'll get thrown in prison pretty soon or fined. Or, I don't and that's going to happen for everyone. Muslims can't meet together. No, the, the atheist society can't meet together. So this has nothing to do with persecution in church. What measures are going to take, but it's definitely an agenda to 
divide and conquer the, the body of Christ. And, and, and the enemy knows that because as a flock, we are stronger when we're together. Well, when, when people are feeling lost and, and, and subject to the wolves out there, uh, do you think there's a real possibility that people can start to uh, uh, slip away from what their creator would have them doing in these in these dark times and, and maybe look to pornography and alcohol and drugs and and these sorts of things uh what sort of effects is that going to have so what kind of ramifications do you think those sorts of things are going to have on society moving forward well i don't know the exact views of these two men I, i'd have to go through it more but people want my freedoms my freedoms my freedoms pornography should be illegal it should be illegal. Period. End of story. But but my freedoms. Show me the word of God where filth and lust and things like this are are allowed. Now, actually, there was something somebody put in the in the comments section there in the chat room, which was really really encouraging to me. Um, about talk about government as a necessary evil. Are there going to be evil men in government? Yes. And there was evil men in the times of Israel and in Judah and the kings. You someone look at them, the kings in Israel, they were, you know, wasn't great and it was, it was, it was tragic. And they were judged for it. But would you ever say that it was okay for them to be just reject the authority in the times of Israel, just take the times of Israel. But we're in the New Testament. Well, Paul is writing in the New Testament. We shouldn't look at things like that, Old Testament, New Testament. Um, okay, there's a new administration, there's a difference. Some things, you know, like you know, the ceremonial law is done away. The specific judicial laws given to Israel as a body politic have been done away. Can be used for general equity, um, but we talk about pornography. Why, you know, I tell you, a lot of these people who would have similar views, and if you said, you know what, pornography should be illegal, it should be illegal. Well, to be honest, wasn't it up until about until about was it the forty eight and Alfred Kinsey's sexual revolution in the in the late forties, early fifties. And and you had Harry Hay with the who through reading of Alfred Kinsey's perverted pseudoscience sexuality in the human male and sexuality in the human female. There were some of the bestsellers back in in forty eight and nineteen fifty three, which kicked off the sexual revolution, on which many of the laws in the United States and around the world have been changed based upon that. But we. If we want, if the kings of the earth are to kiss the sun, that's in Psalm two, verse ten. They're to the bow, the knee before Christ, and people get very nervous. Oh, you want a theocracy? Yeah, but I'm not a theonomist. Let's make a distinction. I'm not talking about stoning people for whatever. Okay, this is not the judicial law. This is talking about submission to God, the Ten Commandments. 
Um, for example, give me just one practical way that if you had a Christian government that bowed the knee to Christ, there would be no, non-essential businesses would not open on the Sabbath. No, there would be some biz- there's some things like milking parlors and all that kind of stuff that has to stay open. There's nothing you can do about that. Um, I know farmers who have to milk the cow. You have to milk the cows twice a day, every single day. I don't completely understand it, but they do. <laughs> they don't need to understand it. And there's certain types of factories that will, will can't close down on the Sabbath day. But that's one, one area. Now, how you would punish, you'd have to use prudence and wisdom and all this kind of stuff. And no, it is not laid out in a big, long sheet of things. You'd have to, if you were... Christian magistrate, you'd have to pray over it and use wisdom, and look, we are all sinners, and yes, you can look back in history and mistakes have been made. Yeah. Absolutely. But it doesn't take away a responsibility to bow the knee before Christ. It doesn't matter what, who you are, whether you're a father in your home, you are to bow the knee before Christ. Whether you're obviously the minister in the church, whatever your position in society, you're a minister of God, the first few verses, like, a, a magistrate is a minister of Almighty God, so that the judgment upon a magistrate is far greater if they're in rebellion against God. If you're in government, if you are a judge, if you are, as the Old Testament would say, an Elohim, one of the judges, you derive, you are appointed by God. And if you are you're an unbeliever in rebellion against God, the judgment is far greater upon you than it would be someone else. We should, you know what, there's a sense in which we should be warning our leaders because of the judgment that awaits them if they don't repent and trust in Christ. Absolutely. These are very trying times. Uh, just this whole, I mean, the media is pumping out fear after uh, article after fear and report after report. And this is weighing down on a lot of people's uh, souls right now. And just from uh, communicating with uh, my brothers and sisters on YouTube here, a lot of people are reacting in, in fear. And so this is going to test us, those of us who are spiritually mature, uh, and, and I struggle with this. I'm not even saying I got this all figured out. This is- um, Mario's not anywhere close to being spiritually mature. I'm not trying to be nasty. I'm not trying to be whatever. But he, at best, he's a babe in Christ and needs to be under the spotlight permanently. Permanently. tough thing to do. Uh, spiritual maturity means that when it comes, when we have a lot of anxiety and stress and worry or whatever it is, we turn to God, but not everyone. And even those who go to church have this discipline in their lives. Oftentimes when things get difficult, we turn to those sinful habits of drug addiction, alcohol, because it's a quick fix. It gives I think, look, we've got a kind of a brief overview of that. I'm just going to play one more clip. This is of Dan Dix by himself. Um, let's get this up here. Oh, no. That's not what I wanted to bring up. Um, yeah, there we go. So, take that off for a second. Um, 
just to give you kind of a more hash system. That's what where a, a, a flavor of a more of a critique of Dan Dick's own view. All of this is leading to. You just look at you know the, he gave the example. If you want to sell pianos, you you gotta you gotta convince them that this is what they want. Like begging people that. Now, just to give the context, I don't want to go into it all night. He read from Propaganda, which was written by Edward Bernays. Is it, is it Bernays? Edward Bernays, I think it was. Um, he wrote a book called Propaganda, 1928. Um, often quoted, how you manipulate a population. You know, there's things like, you know, you smoke cigarettes to get everybody involved. You know, a lot of marketing techniques, I suppose, follow this kind of stuff. Therefore, because... Well, I don't know how exactly this fits in with what's happening today, but I'm sure he'll explain. Their own enslavement is, is good for them. And, uh, you know, he, he, he provided the example of uh, selling uh, pianos, saying that it's going to come to them as if, it's, as if it's their own idea, as if they came up with, with this idea on their own. But as he suggested, it's been implanted into the minds of the masses through various publicity channels by, like he said, staging an event, inviting famous people who he knows is going to influence the greater public. Look at all these celebrities who are coming down with the coronavirus. You know, it's funny. I don't. So he's talking about the book Propaganda, and uh, I think I read parts of it years and years ago. Here's the thing. The word propaganda has a negative connotation post-World War II post-World War II. Propaganda just basically means to propagate information. And is it purely in terms of propagating an idea? Yeah, if you're trying to sell something. And people, I'm sorry, but a lot of people do it all the time. You lead people along in an argument, and if you present a good presentation properly, they come to the conclusion themselves. Not that you're manipulating them, you're just leading them along. And look, if you watch a load of movies that's going to influence you to drink Diet Coke or whatever else it is, you have your own responsibility too, maybe not to watch that if that's... I digress. Um, yeah. A single person who knows anybody who has been infected with this virus, yet I know a lot of famous people who have been, and just think proportionately how many famous people are in the world. Um... What's that got to do with anything? Yeah, famous people are generally more in contact with people. Um, they tend to go to more things than farmers in the country. And I do know friends of friends who are sick in critical. I know of people who have died from COVID-19. When was this video put up? Um, but I'm just like, this is the kind of, this is from the 2nd of April. It's like the mode is, oh, it's got to be, I can't, I can't deal with this. They're shutting everything down. I, it's got to go to conspiracy straight away. No waiting, no waiting for the evidence. No, let. That just doesn't quite add up. And I'm not saying that these people don't actually have the virus. They very may well, in fact, a lot of us 
very may well be. So the virus is a big maybe, but conspiracy and elites controlling the world, definitely. Yeah, you can guess which one is going to survive longer in somebody's head if they're going to think like that. It's dangerous, especially times like this. Walking around with the coronavirus right now, this is not a, 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 a new thing. Although this new mutation is clearly uh, something different um, with potential to, to do some damage. And it is killing people right now. But certainly not to the extent at which we are begging for our own enslavement by the government. Don't look at the current statistics. This thing increases exponentially. Of course, you know, in your area, there might be, this is the thing, there might be 10 cases one day, and that might become 20. And there's a massive lag between then and the death rates. Oh, there's not many people have died yet. Yeah, but how many people have died in New York two years, or not two years ago, two, two weeks ago, even? How many people, what was the number in the United States? There was probably, what, 100, 200 dying a day, something like that, two weeks ago, whatever that was. Maybe 50, I don't know the numbers. Now, yesterday, 1,900. And the White House can massage it all they want, even if they want to cut that number in half. It's still horrendous. And it's liable to get far worse. And conspiracy theories allow a nice, convenient escape from reality. It's like comfort food. It's like, just escape bad stuff. Tell me a fairy tale. There will be at times certain truths, but we want that comfort to think, ah, oh, it's them. We can point at them. But it's really unsettling when it feels like, humanly speaking, everything's out of control. Oh, this is a virus. How do we stop it? We can't. This could go on for 18 months. The numbers we're talking about. No, no, no. This can't be happening. This isn't happening. No, 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 no. And what do we do? We can't deal with it. And I sympathize. I'm not trying to mock, but I'm just trying to say to you, think, think. You may have to spend some days in prayer away from the computer. But think. Right before you run to the, the likes of David Icke and all these guys who are just really rubbing their hands and can't wait to get you in their clutches. Think. Yes, there are people dying. And yes, things like this do come along. And no, you cannot fit everything into your conspiracy theory. I cannot believe I have... I did one program on... What did I do? Let's do a program on... I did one program oh, years ago why I deleted the power behind the New World Order. And it's a topic I don't like talking about. And I've met people who on a one-to-one level -one I really like, who are into this kind of stuff. I'll be honest. Like, I remember having a conversation with somebody, I think it was six months, a year ago, I can't remember when it was. A lovely guy, lovely family, but was into a lot of this stuff. Do you know there's millions of people around the world? There are millions of people around the world who believe that the world is flat. Why is that? 
Why does why do millions of people because they're going no? My epistemology says NASA are wrong. Therefore, opposite. Earth is flat. That's about as far as it goes. A couple of other bizarre theories. A couple of people who jump on. Usually, a bunch of a bunch of these guys who are involved are guys who are extremely unorthodox in the Christianity, and they and you see the usual suspects. They jump on every single bandwagon, and they're there. They might be early in the bandwagon, but they can't wait to to ride that wave and uh, be the guy. I don't know what it. You could speculate about their motivation or whatever, whether it's money or whatever else, but not to be trusted. It used to frustrate me years ago when every single quack theory, there was, you know, there's certain people who gave credibility to certain people who always just seemed to be just there with their their finances, and they're always just, you know, the blood moon theory, the 2012 claptrap. And then when it doesn't happen, oh, well, yeah, well, it depends how you interpret it. And, uh, oh, look over there. It, it turns out time and time again, they're liars and they're false. They're false prophets. And I, well, we won't think about that, will we? Have you ever thought why the Middle Ages are called the Dark Ages and there was so much superstition? I think it's part of the judgment upon that those societies. That even the light of various medicines and all that was with, withdrawn. And there's no reason to think that we may not go back into that barbarism and superstition. Seriously. And I think the, the massive rise of conspiracy theories, the most, one of the most obvious one, the flat earth stuff, is part of God's judgment. We think we're so clever at times. We can't, nobody can teach us anything. No, no, no. You're all, you're all against me. And, and like, this can happen in people with orthodox theology at times. And it's dangerous. You can get people, they've got tick, 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 tick all the boxes. They think they're the only Orthodox person out there. And before you know it, they've got some faction and they've split off from the church. Dangerous. It can, it can foster a form of unhealthy paranoia and slander and whispering, oh, well, he's part of that. No, there's, there's nothing to be gained out of this. Nothing. And bringing on literally a new world order, a one world government, a one world cash system, that's been the agenda of the powers that ought not to be for many, many years now. I've been talking about... And the powers that ought not to be, because he's got a very, very poor view of government. Um, yeah, this. They're going to try it, and they're going to fail. Largely, they're going to fail getting a currency together because, look, a lot of these guys are ideologues. Some will think about some utopian one-world government. Yeah, some will. Some will think about how it will benefit the economy. They're not all of one mind. One thing they do have in common is they want power. and They want things run a certain way. Some people are 
and a lot of these guys are internationalists. Communism, for example, is internationalism. But you basically, people of the same mind, the same thinking, get together. This happens, by the way, all the time. If you're, you go to university, right? Who do you tend to congregate around? People who think the same way as you. Internationalists are going to gather around each other, and they may not even like to share their views with other people. They may even form a little group together, not tell anybody else. But to say that this extrapolates itself, this is just normal human behavior, to extrapolate itself to some nefarious group that goes back to, I don't know if he thinks it goes back to 1776 with very Illuminati or whatever, um, but whatever the, the spin on it is, some people even say it goes back thousands of years back to Egypt. Basically, ba I think they base it on like Helena Blavatsky's nonsense, um, her mythology. A lot of this is like myths that came out of free Freemasonic fringe writers. Completely made up, some of it. this for decades, folks, and it is very clear to me that in this current climate, yep, sorry. they are using this pandemic as an excuse to clamp down on the entire world. Guys, they're globing, uh, crashing the global economy. They're locking you down into your homes. Uh okay, so let's just finish off with this. Let's just think about this logically, right? Boris Johnson, is he part of this group? Well, he wouldn't become PM, I don't think, without being part of this various group. And he's now in hospital. Uh, is that part of Is that just a, a smokescreen or whatever? Come on, guys. I mean, there's a number... People even made something about... about, you know, some of the Iranian officials, that some of them got, was it some of them died or something like that? Um, or that, you know, because they're against the New World Order. It's amazing that, I'm not saying that, that this is Dan Dick's view, but like somebody like David Icke, somebody who's very influential, by the way, in, this, in these movements, seems to be very positive towards the Iranian regime. And some of them are very pro-Russian. And it seems to be that some of these groups, very evil regimes, Iran, for example, and, and the Russian regime, become very favorable. Look, with that to say, with that to say, you can go with your glasses, with whatever view you have, you can go with your view that the world is made, the, the, the moon is made of cheese, and then every single time the nasa deny it they're, they're denying it they're, they're not even answering press conferences and you interpret that to mean well they're hiding the truth and, and what's happening is a lot of untrained people this has happened with the COVID 19 thing a lot of untrained people with no medical background with no expertise in interpreting data data needs to be interpreted it's not just like data on a table and anybody can read it and have a, have a glimpse of it and have an idea of it. You need to be trained to interpret it, and it takes years. I'll give an example of where this has often gone wrong. 
A number of years ago, have you ever heard of a woman by the name of Elizabeth Holmes? She ran a company called Theranos. Fascinating case. Um, Theranos was, it was billed as being, this was the Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs of the medical field. She had discovered how you could get just a tiny little thimble of blood and use it to come up with all these, like 200 test results. Walgreens had Theranos stuff in their pharmacy. That's kind of when it started to fall apart. And who came up with this ingenious idea? This thing, I don't know how big it was. Maybe it was a small box and the box kept changing over and over again. And this whole episode just shows us how little the general public understands medicine. I'm sorry, but it's just true. Elizabeth Holmes was a 19-year... She dropped out of Stanford University at the age of 19. I think it was in first or second year she dropped out. No experience. No college education. But she set on this pathway to developing... First of all, it started off with a patch that she was trying to develop. She scrapped it and then came up with this idea of a thimble of blood. She came up with the idea first without any of... Imagine any of the problems that is involved in testing. Because testing for blood, you need these huge machines. They're huge. In nearly all hospitals. And she was going to change the world. And she went around. And she convinced very smart people, by the way, to invest millions, hundreds of millions into our company. By the end, I can't remember the final number, but Theranos was worth about $5 billion. She was on the front of time, if I'm not mistaken. The Clinton Foundation had rolled her out as one of this, like, again, the Steve Jobs of medicine. And what everybody didn't realize, this was a, relatively speaking, an incredibly young woman. And it took skepticism from a Wall Street Journal journalist going, this is a bit fishy. She's a She's a kid. Medicine is very slow. It takes decades to come up with breakthroughs. It's usually people at the end of their career and have been researching things for decades and decades. So he's skeptical of this, researched it, and it's a fraud. It was a complete fraud from start to finish based on selling. We want, what am I telling you this? Because that's the way ge the general public is about this. Oh, wow, we can do this, this, and this. And nobody really thought about the problems of it. And if anybody did, they were seen as being negative. Or things to that effect. It kind of was a useful illustration to the world and how much it could get bamboozled. And how wishful thinking... We want to think the best. We want to think the greatest cures around the corner and that medicine will, will cure us from this, that, and the other. But then this big bad virus comes along. And you know what? Our innovation... By the way, um, Elizabeth Holmes is up on... She's, going, she's facing, I don't know, decades in prison, it looks like, under fraud charges. Her 
her business was worth, five, I think it was five billion. Everybody's got this wishful thinking. There's like, oh, the, the big cures are on the corner. And then this big bad virus comes along. And then, no, no, this isn't happening. This is not happening. This is not happening. Oh, no, no, it's them. It's got to, humans have to be in control somewhere. No one's in control. And it's, fr it's freaking people out. Is anyone in control? God Almighty. God Almighty is in control. And if, any, if this has done anything, it has removed the illusion that the governments or the health services or whatever else are, is in truly in control of anyone's life and the longevity of somebody's life. Truly, our, our lives are in the hands of an almighty God. Our very breath is in the hands of an almighty and sovereign God. Your, your, your every beat of your every beat of your heart is by the decree of God almighty. And if you're not submitted to, if you haven't turned from your sin and repented and, and trusted in him, why not? Why are you trusting that man can save? That man is in control? I don't doubt that there are some sincere Christians who believe this kind of stuff, but it is harmful, it is destructive, and I just pray that the Spirit of God We'll focus our hearts, our minds, and our affections on things that will profit us as Christians. And if you're not a Christian, turn to Christ today that he may save your soul. And then when he sees you in heaven, he will say, well done, a good and faithful servant. It's been Paul Flynn. May God bless you all.